On tap today, we've got a big show for you covering the weekend racing for the Outlaws, Lucas, and USAC. We'll also get into tonight's racing for the All-Stars and Dirt Car Nationals. Let's go. Today is Monday, February 14th, 2022. Welcome into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. Don't forget, today is Valentine's Day. If you have a significant other, there is still time to grab some flowers and some very expensive jewelry if you haven't done so yet. Anyways, dirt racing. I want to start the first segment uh, about the World of Outlaws weekend on this show by shouting out the track crew at Volusia. World Racing Group and the track have taken quite a beating lately about the condition of the surface, and last Thursday night's Outlaw opener wasn't the start to the weekend they had hoped for. But Friday and Saturday, the track was massively better and looked much more like the Volusia we've grown accustomed to. Too often, the community gets incredibly vocal about the bad stuff and forgets to be vocal about the good stuff, so I want to be vocal about the improvement on today's show. Hopefully things are good to go for the rest of the weekend and we'll be in line for some good racing tonight and through Saturday with the new series coming in. Back to Friday night, it was interesting that it appeared as though the Thursday track scared some guys off or maybe they had mechanical issues from the night before. We lost three cars from Thursday to Friday in Alan Gilbertson, Kevin Thomas Jr. and Sam Haferty, but we did gain Tim Schaefer. KTJ raced both nights over at Bubba in the midget, so this may have been his plan all along but I was a little surprised to see those other guys bail. And I know that both Brian Brown and Gio Selzy basically packed it in on Thursday night to save equipment, so that need for self-preservation may have just been too strong. It's a shame because we had a great racetrack and an amazing feature. David Gravel sat on the pole and led most of the race, but things got wild inside 10 laps to go. We ended up with a three-car battle between Gravel, Brad Sweet, and Sheldon Hoddenshield, with each leading laps and some wild moves through lap traffic. There was one move uh, from Sweet on Bill Rose. It was basically closing my eyes. I did not think Sweet was uh, going to be able to get through there. Gravel actually ended up leading at the white flag and looked like he maybe had control of the race. But out of four coming to the checkered, Gravel got a little sideways on the high side with the lap car of Brian Brown just in front of him, and Sheldon was able to drag race him back to the line on the bottom and snag the win by 44 thousandths of a second. It was a fantastic finish and a great final corner for the 17. And we didn't find out until after the race that Gravel ran the second half of the feature with no right front shock. It was one hell of a drive, basically on only three corners. So Sheldon was your winner, Gravel second, Sweet ended up third, Carson Macedo hard charged from 16th to finish fourth, and Jacob Allen completed the top five. On Saturday, I think the big story that had everyone talking was Casey Kane's wild crash right at the start of the night's B-Main. He started 7th in that race, and into Turn 1, he climbed the right rear of Jason Side's car and ended up going hard into the Turn 1 fence. The car was completely destroyed, but Kane did get out under his own power and walk away. And I could be mistaken, but I think I heard he ended up going to the hospital for evaluation that night. Hopefully he'll be good to go, uh, especially with the Outlaws now off for nearly two weeks. It was a stark reminder, though, of how dangerous this racing still is, but also good to see that newer catch fencing at Volusia do its job along with Kane's safety equipment. It wasn't that many days ago we were talking about safety on this show, and we need to constantly be pushing for more and better. In the night's feature, David Gravel wasn't going to allow there to be a repeat of the night before. He started on the pole, led every lap, and was never really challenged out front. He took the victory and the Big Gator Championship for the week. 
was actually Gravel's first ever outlaw win at Volusia, which is almost hard to believe with all the wins he has. Behind him, Craig Kinzer was fast all night and ran second in the early going, but he lost a right rear tire and hit the outside wall in turn four. That ended his night. Brett Marks went on to finish second with James McFadden third, Sheldon fourth, and Sweet fifth. So headed to Magnolia and the Rev coming up, Gravel leads the very early point standings over Donnie Schatz, Sheldon, McFadden, and Sweet. Looking at some other drivers, I thought we'd see more from Kyle Larson over the weekend after that second place run on Thursday night, but he lost a tire on Friday and finished 12th and then was 17th on Saturday. Not sure when we'll see him again on dirt, so we'll keep you posted as we know more. And even though he didn't quite get the feature finishes, I was impressed with Alex Bowman, who was making his outlaw debut at Volusia. He was fast all weekend in that Ally 55 and looked good on a seriously fast and difficult racetrack. It was also a quiet weekend for guys like Brian Brown, Kerry Madsen, Spencer Baston, and Justin Peck. And Tyler Courtney did pick up a couple of top 10 finishes, but was never really a factor in the top five. In the win picks department, the formula had shots all weekend and went one for three. I picked Macedo, Larson, and Sweet, respectively, and ended up 0 for three. So now the Outlaw teams get some days off to reset, and we'll see them next on February 25th and 26th. Across the state at East Bay, the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series closed out their portion of Speed Weeks over the weekend with two more races. Brandon Shepard came into Friday having won two straight features, and after a great battle with Chase Youngans and Brandon Overton, just went ahead and made it three straight. He led a total of 39 of the 50 laps on Friday night, and in the end, topped Overton, Ashton Winger, Devin Moran, and Tim McCready for the victory. I think Overton may have had a shot at him late in the going, but a crash in front of the leaders left Overton with damage, and then he couldn't do anything with the Rocket 1 on the final restart. On Saturday night, through halfway, it looked like Bishop was just going to cruise to win number 4. Uh, at one point, he was like 4 seconds in front of the rest of the field. But a caution closed everyone back up together, and Devin Moran was able to get by for the lead on lap 34. Shepard then tagged the outside wall and fell back through the field, which then led to him getting caught up in a crash with Garrett Alberson and Stormy Scott that ended his night. Tough end to a great week for that Rocket House car. Out front, Moran led the final 17 laps to earn his third Lucas victory of the season. He beat Tyler Erb, Mark Whitener, Tanner English, and Overton. Afterwards, Moran was emotional talking to Michael Rigsby as his brother Wiley, who's been such a big part of that team, is set to depart that group coming up. Wiley's coming off the road to, I believe, start his own business, and Devin will definitely miss him out there. It'll be interesting to see also how that affects the performance of that nine car and who they get to replace Wiley. Through his opening Lucas Knights, Devin had 12 top 10s in 12 races, including three wins and an average finish of 3.33. The other big takeaway I had from the week was about Brandon Overton. He literally led laps every single night at East Bay, but couldn't find his way to a victory. He had mechanical issues, got caught up in incidents, or just flat faded at the end. And I picked him to win four of the five nights because I figured he'd get it done eventually, but that was just to no avail. Leaving East Bay now, Shepard leads the Lucas standings over Moran, McCready, Herb, and Ricky Thornton Jr. The series gets about uh, the next month off, returning to racing on March 11th at 411 Motor Speedway. Another series that kicked off their 2022 season over the weekend was the USAC National Midgets. They took on Bubba Raceway Park on Friday and Saturday, and the weekend turned into a sweep for Justin Grant. The opening victories could bode well for Grant in his pursuit of the championship this season. Three of the past four champions won the season opener at Bubba. On Friday night, Kenna McIntosh led the opening lap from the pole, and then it was all JG out front. 
Emerson Axum and Tanner Thorson tried to challenge him in lap traffic near halfway, but the two was just too strong. Grant took the victory with Thorson second, Brenham Crouch third, Thomas Meserol fourth from 13th, and Buddy Kofoid completing the top five. Axum was in line for a podium finish, but flipped in turn three coming to the checker. He was all right, but finished in the 12th position. The Saturday feature was actually delayed at mid-race by some rain, but they did end up getting all of the laps complete. Young Jade Avedesian was yet again impressive, starting from the pole and leading the first 18 laps. Her inexperience, though, just caught her out when she got held up in lap traffic past halfway. Grant was able to take advantage and muscle by her to lead lap 19. Buddy Kofoid was then also able to get by her before she could clear that lap car of Hayden Reinbold. JG held off Buddy in the closing laps for the victory, so Grant was your winner, Kofoid second, Avedesian third, Axum fourth, and Mitchell Moles completed the top five. Thomas Meserol actually ended up flipping twice on the night. He crashed early, then got back in the car to try to salvage a finish, but then broke an axle late and flipped yet again. Terrible luck for him. Grant leaves the weekend with a nine-point advantage over Kofoid in the standings. Both me and the win predictor whiffed both nights. It had Kofoid Friday and Saturday. I had Kofoid and Thorson. The formula is now 6 for 18 on the season, while I'm kind of an abysmal 2 for 18. The midgets go quiet now until about the middle of March when they have some special events. As for Buddy Kofoid, he and the Keith Coon Sprint Car Squad had a little bit of trouble yesterday at Bubba. It looked like he maybe blew a tire in a test session and crashed that sprint car. Coons posted to his Facebook account that Buddy was okay and that they will try and get that car repaired today. Other weekend winners included Mike Maresca with the Short Track Super Series on Friday at Alltech. The Saturday program was lost to rain. Nick Hoffman grabbed another Gator Championship with the UMP mods at Volusia. Michael Pickens swept the sprint cars and midgets in New Zealand at Western Springs. And Terry McCarl and Mark Rule Jr. were weekend USCS sprint car winners. Looking ahead, there is plenty more racing to come this week, starting tonight at both East Bay and Volusia. First, after losing the first four nights of their season to rain, the All-Star Circuit of Champions head to Tampa tonight to start two nights at East Bay. I would imagine that we'll see quite a few of the non-outlaw guys that were at Volusia over the weekend head there. Well, for sure, we'll see Corey Eliason, Tyler Courtney, Justin Peck, Brent Marks, Danny Dietrich, Gio Selzy, Terry McCarl, Aaron Reitzel, and Wayne Johnson. This race had 36 cars in 2021, and I would guess we'll probably be in the high 20s or low 30s again for tonight and tomorrow. The last three All-Star races at East Bay have been won by Donnie Schatz, Kyle Larson, and Aaron Reitzel. We won't see Schatz the next two nights, and if there's also no Larson, which sounds like uh, there won't be, Reitzel is the favorite from the DirtTracker.com analytics prediction formula. I think I'll go Reitzel as well for the win pick. He showed some good speed at Volusia with that Toyota Power. If you aren't nearby, you can watch the racing live tonight over on Flow. And at Volusia tonight, we're in for a busy program as the event switches out divisions. We'll see dirt car lane models for a full program, practice for the Super Dirt Car Series, and the debut of the Extreme Outlaw Sprint Cars. The lay model competitors will race for $7,000 to win tonight with the sprint cars going for $5,000. Usually a pretty strong group of lay models for DCN, and I don't expect any different there this year. As for the sprint cars, we know we've got a solid group of full-timers coming to debut with the Extreme Outlaws, and I'd imagine with USAC on tap this coming weekend, a few of those guys will come down early to hit Volusia. According to a series release, the final list of full-timers grew pretty substantially. It now includes Anthony Nicholson, Chad Baysflug, Chase Stockin, Cole Bodine, Dallas Hewitt, Dennis Guile, Jason McDougal, Corey Schutte, 
Kyle Shipley, Landon Simon, Mario Clauser, Mitchell Moles, Shane Cockrum, Wesley Smith, and Zach Dom. And then we could also see names like Alex Bray, Brady Bacon, Briggs Danner, Carson Short, CJ Leary, Jake Swanson, Justin Grant, Logan Seavey, Matt Westfall, Robert Ballou, Shane Cottle, and Timez. So going to have a very, very strong field of non-wing sprint cars tonight. We didn't know, uh, yet know what the Extreme Outlaw format would look like, but they finally dropped that yesterday as well. So here's the breakdown. Drivers will draw for heat race start position, then group qualify to set the lineups. Heat races will have a four-car invert with drivers earning points in both qualifying and the heat races. The top 16 in points following heats will go straight to the feature with 17th on back headed to the B. We'll then either have four or six cars transferred from, uh, from the B depending on field size. For the feature, the high point men will draw for an invert of either 0, 4, or 6 with 7th on back set by points and the B main transfers. Definitely a little more complicated of a format than I would have liked to have seen here. Passing points haven't really been part of the WRG group of series, but it's not a surprising development with who is in charge here. Hopefully things continue to go well with the track at Volusia, though, and we get to see some great racing over the next couple of nights. If you aren't headed out to DCN, you can watch all of the racing live on Dirt Vision. Over the weekend, I turned the new ASCS portion of the analytics section live. I've got the first 15 races from the 2021 season entered, and we'll be adding more very quickly over the next few days. The ASCS National Tour becomes the ninth series and event we are tracking in the database, joining both the World of Outlaws series, the All-Stars, Lucas, Chili Bowl, and the three USAC National Divisions. And between the weekend's races that I entered and the new ASCS stuff, we have now pushed across 1,000 total races worth of data in the database. So plenty of results, stats, driver pages, and more to look through. Remember that a lot of stuff is free on the site, but if you want even more tools and analysis, you can grab a subscription to Dirt Tracker Plus for just $4.99 a month. To see all of this, visit dirttracker.com analytics. There are three shows on the streaming schedule today. Dirt Vision has the Dirt Car Nationals from Volusia, and Flow Racing has the All-Stars from East Bay plus Flow 24-7. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Hope you have a good Monday. If you have thoughts about the topics on today's show, please leave them in the comments below or tweet at me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.